should stand all over the house this evening. If you'd like to turn in your hymn books, you can to page uh, 120, or the words will be on your screen. To all those joining us online, on live stream, we welcome you to service tonight. Let's sing this old hymn of the church, Victory in Jesus. Yeah. 
Lord, we love you and we worship you in this place. And Lord, we welcome you in this house today. Lord, we know there are many that are out today that have been sick, some that are not here tonight. God, that is battling some sickness in their body. But Lord, we know that we are here. And though you said if two or three would just be together, you would be in the midst. So we know that your presence is here. Bless the remaining portion of this service and let us, Lord, have a time with you and spend this time with you and leave this place not the same way we came. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you take this time and meet and greet those around you in the Lord. God bless you. temple to give you glory, Lord. remain standing. We're going to go right back into worship. We're going to sing some old praise choruses. Most of these you'll know probably right off the top of your head. and You probably sang them before, but if not, those words will be on the screen. Let's sing, We Bring the Sacrifice of Praise.
As I come into your presence, past the gates of praise, into your sanctuary, till we're standing face to face. I look upon your countenance, I see the fullness of your grace, and I can only. 
can you just lift your hands all over the place this evening and you just tell the Lord how much you love him you just glorify the name of the Lord Lord you are worthy of our praise truly our God sits high above heaven and earth God Lord we ask that Lord in the solemnness and sacredness of this moment God that we God just take a moment to spend in your presence God, the songwriter said it so beautifully. You are worthy of all our praise. So to you, our lives we raise. That's the best gift we can give you is presenting ourselves as a holy and pleasing sacrifice, which is our reasonable act of worship. Giving you ourselves is the greatest thing you've ever asked for, God. You've asked for us. God, Lord, I know sometimes discouragement can set in when we're small in number. But God, your word said it only takes two or three to agree is touching any one thing and there you are in the midst right then it doesn't matter what we are facing and what we're going through there can be a right now moment with you a right now moment in your presence a right now moment in your house because you are worthy you are worthy for you are worthy of all praise to you our lives we raise you are awesome in this place, mighty God. Can you make that your prayer, that line again? For you are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Just for me, let's do it one more time. Just make this anthem. You are worthy of all praise. You're worthy, Lord. To you our lives we Miss Carol, can you go to the key of G for me? You are worthy of it all. Oh, Lord, you are worthy of it all. Oh, well, from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. Oh, let's sing it together. Lord, you are worthy of it all. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. And you deserve the glory. Let's declare it to, to him tonight, church. Just that line, you, you are worthy, worthy of it all. You, Lord, are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Well, from you are all things. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. For you deserve the glory. One more time, you're worthy of it all. And you are worthy of it Clay. 
Father, we love you. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy. God, there's nothing better than to be in your presence. There's nothing I'm going to say that's better than what you're saying. You can say more in five minutes than I can say in 50 years of ministry. There's nothing to say. Lord, just have your way. Just move, Lord. Just sweep over this building, Lord. Just permeate the building, Lord. Just saturate our hearts, Lord. Let us experience the Shekinah glory that the Ruah, the breath of God, God, breathe on us again. Move on our behalf again. Minister to us again. Let us feel your anointing again. Let us feel your presence again. Let us experience the glory of the goodness of God. Let us love you, Lord. Let us glorify you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Lord, we have many people in our church battling stomach bugs and sicknesses and sinus infections. But, God, you're still worthy of it all. Because of tonight, God, I don't have anyone that's on a deathbed of affliction. I don't have someone calling, waiting for hospice to come in to, to wait for their time of life on earth to, to pass. God, they might have a sinus infection. They may have a stomach bug. But you're still worthy to be praised because you've kept us and sustained us one more week. You're still worthy, Lord. They may be watching online, but, God, they still have a right to give you praise. God, there's some that are battling cancer, but they still are here, so they still have breath in their body to let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There's some watching online that are providentially hindered, but you can go to where they are and you can heal that stomach bug. You can let it pass. You can put that cough and that crud and that, that wheezing under subjection. You can unstop ears. You can stop blood flows of, of, of people that are dealing with things that are having to do with infirmaries like that. You can... You can heal backs, God. You can heal equilibriums, God. You can you can touch people that have, Lord, GI issues, cancer, God. Wherever they are and whatever they need, they may not be here, but your hand is not too shortened. Neither is your ear too heavy that you can't go down to Horseshoe Road. Or you can't go to Bono or you can't go to St. Stephen. And you can meet them right there in North Charleston or Goose Creek or Johns Island. Wherever they are, you can get to them, God. You can reach them, Lord. Touch them, wherever they may be, Lanson, God, wherever the Somerville, whatever surrounding areas they may be, go right there into that home and do what all that you can do, God. Many of us that have heavy hearts, needs in our lives, but we exalt you. We praise you for the answers we don't see. God, we praise you for the things you've done in the past. God, we praise you for what you're doing in the present. But God, I go on notice right now along with this body of believers. God, I'm praising you for the things of tomorrow. I'm praising you for the blessings of Tuesday. Father, I'm praising you for the miracle on Thursday. I'm praying for it. Lord, I'm thanking you for the salvations that are going to come through this house for people that don't even know they need you yet. God, I'm thanking you for lost sons and daughters that are in this building and granddaughters and grandsons of, our, of the people of this church that's going to give their heart to Jesus Christ at some point, whether it's here or someplace, they're going to come back and know Jesus. God, I'm thanking you for people that are going to be healed with cancer that aren't healed yet. God, I'm thanking you for the miracles that are going to happen in the yard that we don't even know about yet because we exalt you we believe 
We believe. We believe. We believe. And Father, these things. God, we could serve anyone. But none of them, the Bible says, are likened unto you. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no one like you. Muhammad preached it. Confucius taught it. God, Allah was promoted. But all of them died. And they're still there. But as we talked about this morning and as we had heard through Sunday school hours and things like that, no other man has ever transversed and changed history quite like Jesus has. And he died, but he didn't stay dead. He got up. And not only, Lord, did you get up, but you went and said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. Thomas said, how are we going to figure out? And Jesus said, I'm that way. You not only didn't stay dead, you won't stay gone. <laughs> You're coming back again. You didn't just leave. You'll come back. You, we've, some folks might feel like they've been abandoned. Some folks might feel like they've been left by a spouse, by a family member, by a church member, by a pastor, by a teacher. But God, no one is, you are a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You never leave us nor forsake us. And God, even while you're building mansions over yonder, we know there's the promise of a hope that one day Gabriel will blow a trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds of glory. So shall we ever be with the Lord changed in the twinkling of an eye. You will come back and get us again. And we thank you for that already, God, for the day you come. We thank you for that. And God, today I pray that if there is anyone in this building whose heart is heavy, whose load is tough, whose road is hard, God, maybe they don't feel like they can lift their hands because their hands are so burdened down and cumbersome with care. Maybe they don't feel like they have a praise on their lips because they don't have words to speak. They only have tears to shed. God, there may be some in this building, they're at their wit's end, they are at rock bottom, they don't have an answer to a problem, but they're at the right place because I know the problem solver is in this room. And they may feel like they're, a, they're abandoned, or they, they may feel like God is a million miles away, but God, you are just as close as the mention of the name Jesus, and you're there. So God, if there are people under the sound of my voice or watching online in this moment that are heavy-hearted, or maybe they don't have words to say, but only tears to fall, let no tear that falls fall on follow ground, but God, let them be caught in your hand and you catch every tear they shed. Wrap your loving arms around them and love on them. God, I ask right now that you just speak peace in the midst of their storm. So that, God, that one day we can stand in this same house of worship again and share testimony after testimony after testimony of, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. He delivered me. He redeemed me. He was there all the time. Father, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. The body of Christ said amen. Before you're seated, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here. Before I preach, I do have a message. I'm going to ask, I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to ask Brianna to come.
up front with me for just a moment. You know that when we got back, some of you may know this, some of you may not. It's okay, you can keep playing if you don't mind. We had to go to an MRI for optical, for an optic uh, edema that's pressurized. We shared with you this need a couple weeks ago. For the longest time, we thought maybe it was medicine. We're not really sure. And we, headaches are getting a little bit worse. We don't know if it's contact related. We don't know what it's called. We took the MRI. We have not got the report. We were sitting in California. She was having some issues with headaches and things like that. Even one night, she said her head was kind of pulsating a little bit. She was a little nervous. She said, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. It's probably just change of atmosphere, whatever. When Brother Randy texted me about Brother James and all that stuff that was going on, and then when I landed back in Charleston, found out God had taken blood and urine caused it to dry up without doctors. I remember talking to Brother James this morning. He said, Pastor, I wonder I wonder if the reason God didn't heal me is because I was so focused on praying for everybody else, and rightfully so, I wanted to be there. But I didn't pray for myself. The Bible said David sometimes had to go encourage himself. He didn't have he had nobody else. He had to do it himself. He had to pray for himself. Now, I know most people probably aren't. If you're not in certain people's shoes, you don't understand. But I'm going to believe. The Bible says, whose report are you going to believe? The reply was, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Now, I don't have the results yet from an MRI. But regardless of the results, I'm going to just humor me for 30 seconds. I'm going to praise God that it's going to be all right. It might have been a tumor, but it won't be when God's through. It might just be medicine that we can find a quick fix, but it won't be something even more serious than that. It might be headaches, but they're going to go away. Devil, you're not the author of faith. You're the instigator of fear false evidence appearing real you know it's scary when you think that there's things going on in your brain the devil I put you on notice and God I decree and declare before this body I believe the report of the Lord he who began a good work is faithful to complete it until that day that he has laid charge to my care when the enemy comes in like a flood God will raise a standard against him I am decreeing and declaring healing I'm believing, God, that whether the report is what we think or the report is not what we think, we are decreeing and declaring, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord in the land of the living. I decree and declare today, Lord, that not only for Brianna and my sake, but God, I decree and declare you're going to heal Mary Weaver of cancer in the name of Jesus. I decree and I believe you are a healer just like you healed Brother James. I believe you're going to heal Mary Weaver. God, I believe you're going to be a healer. We're going to see not just just people talking about a little backache or a little, you know, a little stomach. We're going to see divine miracles, revival to break forth and see the mighty hand of God show up, show out, and show off in a way that we have not even remotely even thought humanly 
possible. God, I'm praising you on advance. I'm putting praise on advance. Thank you for healing. Thank you for being a deliverer. Thank you for letting this thing work out. God, no matter what the report may say, I trust you, I believe in you, and I commit this into the loving arms of Jesus Christ. And Satan, you no longer have any fear over our thought processes. You're not going to make us worry. You're not going to make us sweat. You're not going to make us feel like something bad is happening every time we have a headache. But we're going to believe God is in control. He is high and lifted up. And he still is working all things out for our good. And to that I give you, Lord, the praise and the glory and the honor. And I magnify that name. In Christ Jesus, I pray and ask these things. Together we said amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. Now, the interesting thing about all of this today, Pastor Fickett, when he preached today, didn't know Brother James's story, rightfully so. He didn't know God did healings. He didn't know today when he preached the message that he preached how it would be received or may not even have been sure if he had the right message. Sometimes when you go to guest places to preach, you think you have it, but you just are always nervous if you do have it. You're concerned. And I went to lunch today and I came back to the office and Brianna was like, well, I'm going to go home. And I said, well, I don't really want you to be there by yourself. So I just grabbed all my books and computers and everything and packed them up, loaded them in the car, and just studied from the house. Now, I didn't even re- really remember what we had picked for worship tonight. I, I, I just it, it didn't cross my mind. And I was looking through just some scriptures, and I'm a, I'm a note taker on my phone. So when I go to somewhere, I hear a song that sparks a thought. I grab my phone out, Brother Mike, real quick, and I'll jot down the name of that song so I can go back and listen to it, or I'll I'll write the word that it was, you know, to remind me of whatever it was to, so I can go back and formulate that thought. As I was scrolling through, I have a folder in my phone called Sermon Notes, and sometimes there are sermons I have put in my phone just that I've worked when I'm driving or sitting somewhere, and some that are just one words, two words, a scripture to pick up. I came across a scripture that I had uh, found. I don't know, Madison, if you can find it there. I didn't put it in the system, but Jeremiah 32. We're going to be in verse 17 through 19 if you pull it up through the Bible uh, app. I don't know if I've ever really, I've read the scripture before, but I really don't know if I've ever really looked at it in this way. Jeremiah 32. We're going to start in verse 17 and we'll read down. Verse 19. If you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word, if possible. And uh, we'll pull it together there. I do apologize that I didn't put it on the screen earlier. I just forgot to do so. That's why it pays to bring your Bible. You may not always have it. Thank you, Madison. I appreciate that. Didn't she do a good job? Thank you, Madison. I appreciate that. These media people are on top of it. When I fail, they are on top of it. I do want to say, while before I do that, let me say 
Uh, I didn't get a chance to do it this morning, but last Sunday I wasn't here, and um, neither was Tana and Brandon because they had to be uh, out of town for uh, a prior obligation. But just like I recognized Brantley a couple weeks ago, I want to tell you uh, to this body, Madison was absolutely spot on last week. She was a lifesaver to this pastor. In fact, on Sunday night, she got a little nervous because the computer wasn't working. I, Brianna can vouch for this. We were driving, and our cell phone service said no service the entire time, but somehow Madison's phone call got through. I don't know how that happened, but it did, and it was a FaceTime call, and it still went through with no service. I don't know how that happened because I can't even FaceTime people in this building, much less in, in the middle of nowhere. We got the computer up and running, and I watched both services, and she was spot on. And so I, I want to say to her and to the whole body, thank you. You did a phenomenal job. Can we just uh, let her know that how much we appreciate that? I've read this scripture before, but I don't know if I've ever thought of this way. Let's look at it together. Our Lord God. Now, you got to look at punctuation. English tells us, in the English language, we know punctuation is key. If you never put a period, that's going to be a really long sentence, and it's going to get really mushy really quickly. An exclamation point at the end of a sentence is to denote some kind of emphasis, whether it's a shout, whether it's a some kind of a de- de- declarative command. It is, it is not just to be like, Jack fell down from the chair. It's, it's not supposed to be just a statement. It's supposed to have emotion behind it. So when you think and you read this, oh, Lord God, you put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes as he's, he's emotionally feeling what he's saying. Oh, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Verse 18. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord God of hosts. Verse 19. You are great in counsel, mighty in work. For your eyes are open to all of the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I thought about that today. And after listening to the service today, after just reading this scripture again, it just kind of leaped off the page. Now, some of you that are a little bit older than me, uh, you may have heard if you listen to WKCL or any of those radio stations like that, mostly WKCL, they always have this, what they call the three-in-one mix. They're going to play you a southern gospel song, they're going to play you a praise and worship song, and then they have a category called contemporary, and they're going to play those three, one individual song right behind the other. And it's a three-in-one. Years ago, I I don't even remember, it might have been Ron Cannoli, I can't remember who it was, but Maranatha Worship came out with a song that said, Our Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and thy earth Thy great power, our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and thy earth with thy outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Great and mighty God, great in power, mighty is he. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. And I I was reading that scripture, that song immediately came to my mind. And I'm not going to give you some great fancy sermon today entitled, I'm going to keep it real simple. What a mighty God we serve. I mean, 
you just can't get much better than that. I mean, I don't have to come up with a cliche, ah, Lord God, or, you know, the three things the devil doesn't want you to know. If you don't get anything I'm about to say over the next 10 to 15 minutes with you here as I just kind of give you the crux of this message. If you get nothing else, just remember the title. When somebody says, well, what, what did the preacher preach on Sunday night? You don't have to remember any of the points. Just tell them, what a mighty God we serve. That will hold you for a really long time. Nothing else really will matter if you remember what a mighty God we serve. Let's pray together. Father, I love you and I praise you and I glorify you and I magnify you. Let the words of my mouth, Lord, be Lord, clear and concise and hide me behind the cross so that you are seen high and lifted up. Speak to our hearts in the next few moments and let us, God, hear from heaven. And God, let us just spend this moment with you. We love you and we commit this in the loving arms of Christ our Lord. In Christ's name we pray. The people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated. So when I started thinking, and I, I, I see the clock, I'm going to be very, very cognizant of time for you tonight. I know the Spirit of the Lord moved for uh, some of the song service, and I would never want to apologize for the Spirit of the Lord moving. I always want Him to have as much time as He wants, and I'll take whatever time He leaves me left, if any left. And I started thinking about what a mighty God we served. I started thinking about this passage of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, if you have studied his life, if you have studied him in Sunday school, you will learn that he was a very emotional prophet. He was very, his emotions were involved in his writings. He, his heart broke for the nation of Israel and their rebellion and their, and how the Lord was, was, was punishing them. And throughout his writings, you can almost, almost put yourself in his shoes. You can almost feel like he's wearing his heart on his sleeves. You almost just can feel in those certain words. And when you read the book of Lamentations and some of his other writings, you almost can just feel uh, the, these, these, if you will, weeping moments or these, these solemn moments of pain. He details things in his private life, his experiences, his imprisonment. He, he uh, is told to prophesy around 626 B.C. of the coming destruction of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel from invaders of the north. He, he, re, he, re, he reminds the people that they had forsaken God and began to worship false idols known as the Baals. And, and they were even going as far as offering their children as human sacrifices to Baal. He was a contemporary, if you will, of a couple guys, one by the name of Zephaniah, another guy by the name of Habakkuk, a guy by the name of Ezekiel and a guy by the name of Daniel. They all wrote during this time period. While some of the finest young men of Israel were taken off and swept into Babylonian captivity, people like Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, which we come to know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're swept away. But men like Jeremiah get left in the great dispersia. They get left back in Jerusalem to just stay. Nebuchadnezzar didn't take everyone with him to Babylon. He only took the finest, and everyone else he kind of just left with governors and hope you figure it out. Jeremiah was part of that clan. In chapter 32 of Jeremiah, he is instructed at the beginning of this work to buy a field. Sounds like a strange request. In the middle of dark days, in the middle of, of some challenging times, he is given this instruction to go spend money when the economy is sinking around him. That doesn't, it doesn't even add up. I mean, it's kind of like when the housing market is crashing, 
you, you know, and, and, and things are going wrong in South, you know, you know when, when I, a couple of months ago, uh, the housing market was booming. I mean, you couldn't even keep a house on the market less than almost 24 hours. I mean, people were just sucking up houses. It was great. It was a buyer's market. But if you've ever studied real estate long enough, buyer's markets only last for so long, and, and seller's markets and buyer's markets, they eventually don't always stay the same. You might sell your house for $400,000 that's really only valued for $300,000, and you think, oh, great, I made hundred grand on this house, only to figure out you're going to have to use that to buy somebody else's house, so you really didn't make as much as you thought. But then what happens is shortly thereafter, years go by, if you're not careful, if you don't make sure to watch the market at the right time, you might have paid 400000 for the house, but when you try to get rid of it, you're only going to get three hundred for it because the market flipped on you. They call it going upside down. You're stuck. People do it all the time. I guarantee you when things adjust, and if we really did a survey of it, when things adjust or whatever here shortly, there are people that, because they could get 100% financing, it was a buyer's market, and all that, there are people that probably bought 400, 500, maybe even 600 to three-quarters of a million-dollar homes. But one day, if the economy changes bad enough, they're going to be stuck with a house they can't get rid of, or either they're going to bank, go bankrupt. In fact, uh, Brianna's parents have a neighbor, next-door neighbor, that's selling his house, and it's a nice piece of property. I don't know how much acreage. It's not a lot, a lot, but it's got two houses, but they're not like pristine, like just, just top-of-the-line, very modern houses. And they want three-quarters of a million dollars. And I thought, I don't think I could even, if I even had the money, I don't think I could invest $750,000 living. I just don't think I could do it. ain't even to me it's not even a pretty house. It's I'm not paying seven hundred if I'm paying seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that thing better cook for itself, clean itself, and better be able to maintain itself for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But we see that Jeremiah's told to buy a, a field, property in a depressing day. The Lord was telling Jeremiah to it was a reminder or remembrance of the assurance that God would one day bring his people out of the other side. Sometimes we've been studying, and I'll finish the last part of a series called Endless Love that we had been doing with the last part of Hosea's story this Sunday coming up. But we've studied throughout this passage uh, uh, with Hosea. Sometimes, and even some of the prophets like Ezekiel and Isaiah, sometimes God asked these prophets to do some pretty outlandish things that made no sense. Lay it on your side. Walking around with, with your head shaved or, or shaving your beard or half shaved, half bald or, or lay on your side, left side, then lay on your right side or walk around with no, you know, no back parts of your pants because, you know, all these, I mean, just random stuff. I mean, God made them do weird things, get out in the middle of the water and stand out there and measure it with a, with a rod. I mean, things that people probably thought, these guys are nuts. And God was teaching a lesson. By verse 16 and 17 in which we read, Jeremiah was finishing the purchase of the property and he was beginning to go to prayer. And I started thinking about this idea of what a mighty God we serve. This is what I think happened. I want you to know that in the midst of a world that's in turmoil, in the middle of wars and economic uncertainties, sexual identity and gender crises, religious disappointments, I still believe that we can hold true to the fact that what a mighty God we serve. 
I started thinking about different places. Some of these I've been to. Some of these I have not been to. So uh, they're just pictures. But I started thinking, I mean, that's beautiful. That is known as the Himalayas. There's the Himalayan mountain range. I mean, I mean, you have snow over here and you have just dirt down here. It's kind of like South Carolina weather. You go from summer to spring to fall to winter in three hours. You got up this morning, you could wear a short sleeve shirt. By this afternoon, it's freezing cold and it's pouring down rain. Something just went south really quickly. But it's beautiful. I've never been in the Himalayas, but every time I've seen that picture, I thought it would be a pretty place to go. I have been to this place. We call it the Grand Canyon. I have got pictures of this. I have actually a picture that we took, Brandon and I took, that's very similar to the same color pattern of the way the sun. I mean, that's beautiful. If you can't stand on that side of the hill right there, and I have stood basically right there with Brianna, and, and, and uh, well, I took it from an aerial view from a helicopter. But when you look across that, I mean, if you can't see the amazement of God's creativity, something's just wrong. I mean, it is, it's just, just so fast. And I started thinking, and I'm going to get back to some of these to show you some other things. I started thinking about some things God is mighty in. God is mighty in creativity. He doesn't do, he's not carbon copy. I'm glad I serve a God who's not a carbon copy God of somebody else before him or after him. I'm glad I serve a God. Muhammad tried to be like him. Confucius tried to teach like him. And Allah tried to replicate him, but none of them are him. He's not to be duplicated or replicated to that nature. I mean, can you imagine, we read it in Jeremiah 32 and 17, immediately as Jeremiah is getting ready to bow his knees and he's getting ready to get in a position of prayer, he looks up and he sees the, the, the world around him and he sees it and he declares, Oh, Lord God, you have made the heavens. What does he do? Think about what we read, you made the heavens and the earth. He sees creation and thinks nobody else could do this like you did it, God. He encouraged himself. He's like, God, this is incredible. There was no other way to describe it. If you were trying to find an English word to, to kind of replicate what, what Jeremiah was saying when he said, Oh, Lord God, it would be like when you walk into something or you see something and all you can say is, Wow. Wow. I don't know about you, but, but there have been times in my spiritual journey, there have been times in my journey of faith and, and even in, in, in things that weren't necessarily of my, my journey of faith, but just in, in everyday living. There's been times in my life where I didn't have any other words to say except, wow. I mean, I've seen some places, went to some places, viewed some places, and I'm, I didn't have any words. It was just, wow. That was it. Breathtaking. I have, I have seen God do that in spiritual situations where somebody needed a miracle and it was absolutely no way but God did, could have done it and he did do it and you couldn't say anything but go wow didn't see that coming wow like like I'll give you an example obviously my mom and dad are here to, tonight but when we pastored or they pastored I didn't pastor anything I tried to get out of church I didn't want to go they pastored it I tried to get out uh, and tried to go to college and not go back to being a pastor and look where that got me and uh, so, so you know, you can't run from it for so long. But when we were, when they were pastoring the church at Ridgeville, I remember my dad was in, in, in travail and turmoil. He felt like God was kind of directing his ministry a little bit differently, and he was trying to, to, to decide what to do. But we were, in, we had just finished a building program. We had a family life center that we had built, and and we needed some, you know, we were finishing up the fine tuning. And some of you that are in this building, you have been to that church there at Ridgeville, and you've seen the property there, and, and all of that stuff. And 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 we, he was, he knew it was time, but he he told my mom, and I remember him having 
having a conversation at the corner of the kitchen uh, there in, in, in Knightsville, right at the corner cabinet. He was kind of leaned up against it, and I was sitting on the bar, and, and I wasn't supposed to, but I would always sit on the bar and get in trouble for putting my rear end on the place where you serve your food. My mom would always get mad about that. And she was washing dishes, and my dad said, but, and I remember it's clear as day, he, he told her, he said, but, but Melody, I'm not leaving them in debt. I can't. I, I, I came here with $139,000 in debt, multiple months back, uh, multiple months of, 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 of payments that were, were backdated, that we were in the rear in payments. I'm not going to leave them the way I found them. I just can't. I know that I feel like God's served sir, me. It's been a year. I, I, just, I just can't. I, I just can't do this. And I don't remember the exact amount of, of, of money, but there was a couple, I mean, it was some thousands of dollars needed to finish the, the debt-freeness of that building that particular project not long after that conversation my father gets a phone call from someone who's attending our church at the time and said uh, I want to meet you for breakfast and so my dad sure he met him at the little pappies of if you will of, of the low country of there and and um, they were talking and this gentleman said pastor how how much would it take to finish just getting that debt at the church my dad said yeah I don't know I'd have to call and he I think he ended up texting or calling one of the council building committee chair members asking how much. I think it might have been Brother Henry at the time. I'm not really sure, but but to calling him and, and how much do you owe. And I don't remember. Let's just say I don't remember the number. He could tell you later. It might have been 50000 I don't even know what it was. But let's just say it was, it was 60000 Okay, 60. You know, 50, 60. It's still a lot of money. You know, you know whatever. You know, $60,000. And so, you know, uh, he got off the phone. He said, well, Brother so-and-so, it would be about sixty grand." And the guy said, oh, okay. And say too much they finished eating breakfast and the guy pulled out of his pocket he didn't even have it he, he didn't even he was just in a money in an envelope just kind of stuck in his pocket there his shirt pocket he pulled it out and he handed it to my dad and he said well you know this check should at least help with some of the incidentals well my dad was from berkeley county he graduated from berkeley so you know sometimes math wasn't a strong suit for him he thought incidentals meant oh like maybe like a thousand dollars we can get another toilet so the women won't complain about we don't have enough bathrooms in there incidentals you know a can of paint that's incidentals so he puts open the check and he thought it said seventy five hundred dollars like seven thousand five hundred dollars and he's like oh thank you brother whatever and the guy's face was like um okay i thought pastor you would be a little uh, more uh, receptive of that but you know everybody responds differently he said did 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 you look at the check? He said, oh, yeah. Yeah, he said, he said $7,500, brother, every little bit helps. You know, he went spiritual. Every little bit helps. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And the gentleman said, you need to look at that check. It wasn't $7,500. It was $75,000. You know what my dad said? Nothing. You know why? Because it was a wow moment. He cried. But it was confirmation of things he told my mom about. He knew he didn't want to leave. But the point was he couldn't say anything but just hold the check because you can't explain it. It was just a wow moment. Now, I've got the opportunity to go to places like this, Horseshoe Bend. I mean, when you stand over that and you look at that from an, on the top of that, bill, on top of that ledge, you can't say God's not real. It's just a wow moment. I remember when Brian and I went to California, we saw this. It is known as the Bixby Bridge along the Pacific Coast Highway. It looks just like that. That's not a, that, yeah, that came from Google, but I promise you, we saw it. It looks just like that. That's not Photoshop. That's gorgeous. If you don't believe it, go look on Brianna's Facebook page. I didn't take pictures, and if you want to know why I'm not in any pictures, well, somebody had to be the photographer. So if you see all these pictures with her, I didn't die and fall off the map, and she took all these pictures. Somebody had to be the spotter. 
I'm taking the pictures. But it's beautiful. Then I stood right here. I mean, that is, you can't put into words how massive this bridge is. I mean, it is huge. I mean, you're driving on it. I'm getting nervous driving on it. It's so tall. It's expensive. It's huge. These are wow moments. Then I found, off the beaten path, this lily field. It's literally on the beach coastline, nestled between two valleys of this, like, mountainous range. And all there are, all these calla lilies just all over the place, just right there on the beach. I mean, it's beautiful. How can you not say, what a mighty God we serve? But the Bible says, look at the lilies, how they neither toil nor spin. And even at Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them. If God feeds the birds of the air, and he, he doesn't, they don't have to worry about me, how much more so does your heavenly Father have thought for you? When you look at these things and you think, wow, what a mighty God we serve, you've got to remember, but he loves you more than the calla lilies, and he loves you more than the Golden Gate Bridges, and he loves you more than the Grand Canyons. He loves you more than that. So what a mighty God you serve. You serve. I began to think about it. And then the climax hit today in my office. I could hear Jeremiah. He starts reading things. I, I believe, you know, the scripture, I started reading some of this. Job 26 and 7, he hangeth the earth upon nothing. Psalms 147 and 4, he telleth the number of stars. He knows them all by name. All of these beautiful things. you got to remember, everything God created, it was by voice and command. There were no cranes. There were no commit building committees. There were no pulleys. There were no building permits. He just spoke it. And it happened. Can I tell you, sometimes you don't need a pastoral council to fix it. Sometimes you don't need a building inspector to tell you. If God wants a church, he can speak it and it will go there whether the county says it needs to be there or not. If God wants another building on this property so that more people come to know Jesus Christ, the devil can try to stop us all he wants to. But if God just speaks it, it's going to come to pass. If you, you don't need the pastor to always fix it. You don't need a prayer line to always make it, to always have to go through a prayer line to get it. You can be at home all by yourself and God can just speak just like that and make it happen when nobody else can make it happen. He can make it happen. That's how Genesis tells of the creation story. God created the heaven and the earth and he saw that everything was very good. And then I started thinking, what would be the iconic, I mean these are beautiful pictures. Don't get me wrong. But I sat in my office or sat in my house today and I put this together. Then I thought about this piece of property right here. Now the tree is no longer there. It looks a little bit different. I didn't have an updated picture. But you know, three and a half years or so ago, there was about seven cars in the parking lot in July when I got here. About 20-something of us here that Sunday, I think 21-something total number. I don't remember. I have to go back and pull the record. About seven or eight cars. I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and say that the church at that time was lifeless and void, but, but it had been through a lot of stuff. There had been people that had been in this church that had seen it go to highs of 80s and 90s, sitting with ceiling fans on, seating room only, I mean, just packed. And then that Sunday, you didn't even, you, there was no worry about a seat. There was plenty of seats that July, or that particular July Sunday that I got here. I started thinking over the last three years, things that I have saw. Now, this is not about me, so please don't think what I'm about to say is about me. I'm telling you just things I've got to watch God do. 
I've watched God take rotator cuff surgery that said you shouldn't be having, you have to have shoulder surgery, but I'm watching a percussionist play every Sunday, and we still hadn't went to surgery yet. I've seen that. You've seen that. You already told you about Brother James's story this week. We've seen other stories of healings and things like that. And just two weeks ago, right the Sunday right before I left, 78 people. It's been a long time since I've seen 78 people hit church. I'm not saying maybe they had it the very first Sunday before I got here. But if they did, 50 people left before I got here the next week. They didn't like me after they heard I was coming. They left. I don't know when the last time 78. But I'm going to tell you, two weeks ago when 78 people were in this building, it looked good. It looked real good. It got a little hot, but it looked good. It looked good. I've seen all that happen. Not because I'm special. Not because necessarily the, the band is special or the Sunday school teacher is special. They are great. Don't get me wrong. But God is good. God is special. And when two or three come together and when we come to worship the Lord, he makes this holy ground and it becomes special. This is just not a church that just has a nice piece of property. This is a special place now because God lives here. It's a special place. Then I thought about not only is God mighty in creation, but isn't he compassionate? He loves us. Verse 18, I read it to you. He said his loving kindness was extended to thousands. It has no limits. He's not like man. See, we have limits. We'll be compassionate to a point, and then after that point, we're like, yeah, I'm done. You burn me once, you know, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me, that whole philosophy. We don't always, we will tolerate some people a little bit longer than others, but overall, we just don't like people sometimes. But God never runs out of mercy. His mercy endures forever unto all generations. It never runs out. There's no expiration date or limit of supply of God's mercy. I've thought about the story in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I'm not going to go there for time's sake of, of David and Mephibosheth, but if you want to know, talk about a story of compassion, that's a good place to look. The man in the palace shouldn't be in the palace. He should be in the field. And the man that's it down in Lodabar is the man that really should be the rightful heir to the throne. But life had thrown him a curveball, put him in the, in the pit, and the guy that was in the pit got promoted to the palace. Somehow those wires got crossed and shouldn't have been that way. But David never forgot that God found him in the field. So he went down to Lodabar and got Mephibosheth and said, God didn't forget me, and I'm not going to forget you. So you come here. I'll feed you. I'll clothe you. I'll take, can I tell you when the world turns their back on you, your spouse turns their back on you, the church turns their back on you. I'll even go as far as saying when a pastor turns his back on you. There are people out there that God can speak to and find you in those places and come back and say, but I did not forget you. I knew where I got brought you from and I know how far I brought you from that place and he won't leave you there the same place at the same time. He's compassionate. And then he goes on to say he's mighty in counsel. We read it in verse 19. You are great in counsel, mighty in work. See, counseling is a big business. Everybody looks for it and seeks for it. There's a lot of money spent each year, people trying to get advice, someone to just listen to their problems and tell them what's going on. They just, they want advice. They want advice. Lots of people spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars in this industry. Just have somebody try to tell them what to do next. Can I tell you, there's no greater person you can turn to, though, than to God. I mean, in fact, 
when he described himself in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, he called himself the wonderful counselor. I mean, he put counselor in his description, in his bio. When, when you read God's bio, who are you? Well, I am the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. I mean, he put in his bio, he's good at it. I mean, he listed it. I thought about the counsel. He gave counsel to Moses. Fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. To Abraham, I will make you a great nation, exceedingly fruitful. Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, God gives good advice. He gives good advice. And he not only gave it to Moses. He not only gave it to Abraham, he not only gave it to Joshua. You say, well, Pastor, I know we quote those scriptures, but he was giving it to Abraham, and he was giving it to Joshua, and he was, he was giving it to Moses, and he, he was giving it to David. But I do know that there's one scripture that he didn't give it to a specific person. He just made it a generic statement. He said, I am, I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say, he put himself in there. He said, this is our advice is not for David. It's not for Moses. It's not for Aaron. It's not for whosoever. It's for whosoever will. Let him come. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You have a perfect counselor and friend in Jesus Christ. The best thing you got. The best thing you got. Just girl, as you make your way. He's not only mighty in creation, mighty in compassion, mighty in counsel. But God pays well too. He's good in compensation. He, he pays well. I mean, he makes, well, first of all, God's a multi-billionaire. <laughs> He's not hurting for resources. And he compensates pretty doggone good. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I can trade spirits of heaviness for garments of praise, that's a pretty good trade. When I can take dirty rags and get robes of righteousness, that's a pretty good trade-off. I, I, I give him all my mess and filth, and he gives me riches. That's a, I mean, I would love to walk to the bank and say, I've got no money. And they say, no, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I would love that trade-off. I'm going to come to you with a dollar, and you're going to give me a million. Who wouldn't take that deal? I mean, you look at it. I, I trade him... 50, 60, 70, 80 years of maybe some challenges in this place called Earth. I might have a nice house or a nice car or whatever. But I, I trade maybe some fun in there's pleasure in sin for a season and not get to do what everybody else gets to do for 60, 70, 80 years, however long I am on Earth. But I get to trade that for not cruddy roads in Berkeley County with craters for potholes to tear up the alignment in my car. I get to go to Streets of Gold. That's a pretty good trade-off. Berkeley County Roads or Streets of Gold. I'm going to go with the gold, y'all. My car needs an alignment right now. I don't know what I hit or who I hit, but it messed up. It was in Berkeley County too because I don't leave here very much. I can trade my 3,100 square foot house. I thank God for it. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the most expensive house. Brand and I, I should have put the picture there. Brand and I found a house that was on Pebble Beach Golf Course. The monthly payment was for sale. The monthly payment to the house was $72,000 for the payment. The, the, not, not the purchase, y'all. The payment. 
Brad said, I think I want to live there. I said, you better get a real good nursing job. I don't even think Joel Osteen could afford this sucker. He's way more lucrative than we are. And I don't even know if his best-selling book could fix this one. But I get to trade that 3,100 square foot house in Cane Bay. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. Beautiful house. But for a mansion, that's a pretty good trade. <laughs> and you know what I like about it the most, Brother Dennis? I don't have a mortgage payment. I have to pay Cane Bay for HOA. I have to pay Old Rice Retreat for an HOA. I have to pay the, the, the bank or whatever for, for, the, for the mortgage to be able to own the house. When I get to heaven, God's just going to say, well, you know, your, your, your address is 377 Hallelujah Boulevard. Here's the keys. Oh, by the way, it's paid for. I'm going to go, thank you, Jesus. I don't want a mortgage payment in heaven. I don't want one now. But I also don't want to live in a cardboard box. So I have to sacrifice. What a trade-off. The Bible said, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills where I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I mean, God pays really well. Really well. We know the Bible talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God for the pulling down of strongholds. And I started thinking about God's compensation package. I mean, you can't, you can't even go to a good bank and get the return you get with God. You just can't do it. You can put $500 in a high-paying CD, money market, whatever return. It still ain't, you still ain't going to make enough money, Brother James, to take a house in Cane Bay and be a multi-millionaire mansion in heaven. There ain't enough money in the world that could fix that job. But Jesus did. My walls are not going to be of stucco or plaster or sheetrock and drywall or paneling. Walls are going to be made out of the finest of jasper. That's some pretty expensive architecture. Gates of pearl. I brought Brianna a set of pearls to wear around her necklace and I had to sell a kidney for that one and they didn't even have a gate on it. It came with a kidney. The reality of it is it was beautiful. But God said it's a gate of pearl. And then to top it all off, when I get to heaven, right now, the greatest investment I have is a fitted Atlanta Braves baseball cap. The only good hat I have, I don't have one of them taxi cab driver hats like Brother Henry Kirkland wears, those really cool, you know, chauffeur type hats, whatever they call them. And I, I don't have those cool little, little fedoras and, you know, cowboy hats. All that stuff don't look good on me. I'm just, I just wear a baseball cap. It does the same for me. Sometimes it's a snapback, but my best one, my most expensive, my best one, it's like $35, this is the most expensive hat, big scripted white A with a red bill and navy blue casing fitted that says this stands for the Atlanta Braves. Beautiful. When I get to heaven, Brother Mike, um, that Atlanta Braves hat ain't going to be really worth much because I'm going to get a crown. That the right, the Lord, the righteous judge will not only give unto me, but all those who love his glory. It's going to be a crown that has jewels in it. I'm not talking about Burger Kings. I'm talking about real ones. Real crowns. God's compensation is pretty doggone good. It just is. And I say all that to say this before we pray. Does, is the world a dark place? Yes. Is it scary out there sometimes? Yes. 
Is, is doctor's reports and other things sometimes overwhelming? Yes. Is sometimes our hearts heavy? Is sometimes our burdens uh, cumbersome? Is sometimes life not fair? Yes. It just is. But what a mighty God we serve. Remember, old Bill Gaither's song, and then I'm going to pray. He wrote a song, I don't remember how many years ago. I remember when I was at interning at Bethesda Church of God and I was playing the keys for them at their church we had a lady there uh, that had like a Vestal Goodman style voice it's just so unique um, and, and uh, Sister Griffin and she her voice was just so unique you just can't replicate it it just is it's almost like it's almost like you don't know if it's intended to sound that way or it's natural I mean it's just it's, just, it's beautiful but you just, you can't even replicate it. And she came in a choir rehearsal one night, and she told at that time, well, still is, Julia Sims Owens, who's our, who's the minister of music, she had this song she wanted to sing for the choir. And Julia's like, okay, you know. So right before the end of my summer internship there, then we sang the song. And the song was real catchy. And it, was, it said, your load will be much lighter when Jesus that's not really hard. It, it really, Bill Gaither really, and all the guys that wrote it with him, they didn't think very much. They didn't use a big encyclopedia for this word. <laughs> Your load will be much lighter. Let's use load again. That'll help. When Jesus lifts the load, you didn't really have to think outside the box. But the message behind it was crystal clear. There are a lot of things I can't control. But what a mighty God we serve. The old chorus says, angels will bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. But we get to love him. We get to have communion with him. We get to have a relationship. What a mighty God we serve. So when you leave this place today, before you come back on Wednesday, before you come back next Sunday morning, you may face some stuff this week. But if you don't remember, God is mighty in creation, mighty in compassion, mighty in counsel, mighty in compensation. If you don't remember none of that, good. My wife doesn't either. She never remembers what I preach either. Just remember the title. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Let's stand all over the house and praise Him. Father, I come to you tonight and I pray for this body of believers. I pray, God, that you would speak to their hearts. Give them favor this week. Father, I pray that as we get ready here in just a few moments to go to and fro our destination to make our humble places of abode, pray that you would allow the Spirit of the Lord to travel with us. Let us make our hearts a place of residency for your home. Father, I pray for this body of believers tonight that you bless us and keep us. You make your face shine upon us. You be gracious to us. You lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts until you come again. Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and redeemer. As you remain in the spirit of prayer, I'm going to ask Brother Randy to do our benedictory prayer. Immediately following this prayer, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you, Brother Randy. Would you?